1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hans and Scotty, time to check in with Mike Uginen from The Athletic for our weekly conversation. All brought to you by the uh, are all on the Sprint Special Guest Line, where you can get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with the new line of service. Visit a local Sprint store near you for details. Mike, how are you? I'm doing quite well today. Thanks. Hey, uh, before we get into all the uh, college talk, uh, we were just talking about uh, Jadavian Clowney. Uh, is it, I mean... Is it just sometimes guys in the, are in the wrong situation? I mean, we look at Kyle Van Noy floundering with the Lions. He goes to the Patriots and becomes a star. Same thing with Clowney. Boy, he was a menace last night. Yeah, he was. And I think that goes back to his days in South Carolina when he was sort of allowed to, hey, make a play, uh, do something big. He generally did it. And I think sometimes – coaches get enamored with guys and think, wow, think what he could do if he was in some kind of structured situation. Well, sometimes structured situations aren't good, and I think Clowney leaving the Texans has been a positive for his career, and I know he lined up opposite of J.J. Watt, but I think there's no question but that the Seahawks are asking him or, frankly, allowing him to do different things. And he showed last night that he can be a big-time playmaker still. A lot of weight was put on Jimmy Garofalo last night. I wanted to get your thoughts on Seattle shuts down the run. They put it on Jimmy, and you felt that Jimmy did what? I thought he played not that bad. I mean, it's not like the Niners have a plethora of weapons here. Um, You look at their roster, and I'll be honest, the fact that they were unbeaten shocked me. Uh, I thought that was a third-place team this year. Um, I also thought the Rams were going to win the division. So, But I, I think Garoppolo, given what he had to work with last night, was okay. I mean, Russell Wilson is playing at an extremely high level, and you look at the, the Seahawks' surrounding talent, and it might be a case of, well, you know, they, they don't all look that good, but I, I think they all work well with Russell Wilson. I think Lockett's underrated, and I think the Niners last night were just not attuned to what was going on because they were missing some key guys. Surprised by the LSU-Alabama final? No, I thought it would be high scoring, um, not quite that much. I think the the surprising aspect to me was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Going into the season, I'm thinking LSU's running game, man, those running backs are not very good, considering that's the school that produced Fournette and Geis back-to-back. And I may have even said on your show, no one looks at LSU and goes, oh, my goodness, I'm scared of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Well, they probably are now. Um, he played phenomenal football. Joe Burrow played phenomenal football. Um, Tua played about two quarters of phenomenal football. Najee Harris played pretty well as well. I mean, it was a fun, entertaining game. So I will say the idea that the final margin was five. At, uh, at no point in the second half did I really think LSU had a legitimate chance to lose. The touchdown at the end of the first half was gigantic. And the fact that Alabama lost just by five, I think, is feeding into the narrative, well, they're still one of the top four teams. They're also hanging their hat on our best result is a loss. Because who have they beaten? Their best win might be Texas A&M. And that's a team that's probably going to end up seven and five. So um, Alabama's talented. I get that. But um, it's it's – I think, again, the five-point loss sort of changed the storyline, changed the narrative, just like Oklahoma really, frankly, got whipped by K-State. But you look at the final margin, oh, they only lost by seven. 
Arkansas. They were down big in that game, and I think losing close for Alabama, losing close for Oklahoma, uh, helps them, I think, national perception-wise. I think the University of Utah and the Pac-12 need to send Minnesota a thank you letter for doing some heavy lifting against Penn State. They get the win over Penn State. Penn State was up there. They were fighting. They were number four and and looking really good. Minnesota gets the win. Now, I want to know, how good is this Minnesota team? Yeah, I I was frankly stunned by that outcome. I thought Penn State was way too fast. I thought Penn State would win by double digits. Um... I thought Penn State's offense would basically score in the low 40s. And, you know, maybe it's 42-28, 42-30 kind of game. But Minnesota, the first possession, you know, Penn State threw that interception really early. Uh, I think that gave Minnesota some extra juice. And Minnesota's receivers are pretty good. Um, That one kid, I, I can't remember his name now, but he's a kid from southern Georgia um, from Tifton. Um, no one in the SEC recruited him. And you look at him and you're like, that, the Minnesota's got some good players, including that receiver. And Fleck probably antagonizes some people with his <laughs> relentless positivity. Um, I think we've all worked with people like that. And some of us roll our eyes and some of us, oh, yeah, gung, we're real gung-ho. And I think his players have bought in. Um, they looked extremely impressive in beating Penn State. And I think the, the one thing I am most interested in in tonight's unveiling of the second playoff rankings is not, is Alabama going to be number four? I'm interested in seeing how high Minnesota is. Will they be sixth? Will they be fifth? Will they be seventh? Because that was an impressive win uh, over Penn State. You look at early season Minnesota, oh, my God, that team's going to be lucky to go six and six. Now you look at Minnesota and you're thinking, you know something? If they beat Penn State, they can beat Iowa and Wisconsin too. So this is a very interesting team all of a sudden. Mike Hugan joining us here on uh, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Um, let's just lump Utah and Oregon into the same category uh, because they both have one loss, and, and let's say they run the table and whoever wins out of the Pac-12 in that championship game, what's the pathway for them to get into the college football playoff? I think they need... LSU to blow through Georgia in the SEC championship game. They need Auburn to beat Alabama or play Alabama extremely close, uh, and that might be enough. Um, They also, I think, they want Oklahoma and Baylor to split their two games. I think they're going to play twice. Obviously, they play Saturday, and then they'll probably play again in the Big 12 championship game. So if you're a Pac-12 school, you're pulling for Oklahoma this Saturday, and then you're pulling for Baylor to win the rematch in the Big 12 championship game. Um, no one's beaten Clemson. I don't think anybody's beaten LSU. Um, I don't think anybody's beaten Ohio State. So I think the it could come down to is it going to be a one-loss non-champion, non-division champion Alabama, or is it going to be a one-loss Pac-12 champion? And that's, I think, setting up to be uh, mighty interesting as well. Because, you know, again, we talked about Minnesota. They were impressive in beating Penn State, but I still don't. I can't fathom them beating Ohio State. Does Alabama remain the best one-loss team? You know, they're the most talented one-loss team. They're still sort of a mystery to me. Um, They got, you know, they were down 20 at halftime against LSU at home. 
Um, and they, they played one good, one and a half good quarters of football against LSU. And their supporters are saying, well, yeah, they played one and a half good quarters and they only lost by five. Well, my argument would be, well, they played only one and a half good quarters and they haven't beaten anybody else. So um, I think they, they're going to be the highest ranked one loss team when the rankings come out tonight. I think they are better than Georgia. Um, I think they probably are the best one-loss team. But, again, I am one of those who thinks winning your league is a big deal. And Alabama is not even going to win its own division. And I think that should count for something. Hmm. Mike Eugenen joining us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Did uh, Joe Burrow win a Heisman Trophy on Saturday? Yeah, I think he all but locked it up. Um, I mean, he was razor sharp throwing the ball, extremely effective running the ball. And, it, you know, every week it seems like, wow, that guy's really good. Um, you know, he, Urban Meyer loved this kid. He's, he's from Ohio. His dad was an assistant coach at Ohio U for Frank Solich. Ohio State, in the Urban Meyer offense, which relied heavily on a running quarterback, they loved Joe Burrow. He got beaten out last year by Dwayne Haskins, so he transferred. Uh, Dwayne Haskins threw 50 TD passes and was a first-round pick. So Burrow can play, and I think last year – you know, he was sort of an adequate college quarterback. Well, they changed their offense, moved into the 21st century, and that new offense fits Burrow like a glove. So, yeah, I can't imagine, unless he just totally plays horrible football the rest of the way, I think he is going to win the Heisman. Uh, I think the interesting thing is, will Chase Young's suspension be held against him? Uh, And can Jalen Hurts get back in the hunt because he did not play all that well last week even though they beat Iowa State. I watched that Baylor-TCU game with great interest, watched every play, and saw one of the most spectacular things I've ever seen in my life, a receiver in overtime catching a football. Oh, that was tremendous. Body completely yeah. out of bounds, and he reaches a hand to tap in the end zone. I, I can't even imagine that how he did that. But Baylor now facing number 9 Oklahoma. How does this game play out, Mike? Yeah, I, I, I was you – know, going into last week, I was not a believer in Minnesota or Baylor. <laughs> so in Minnesota one, I, I still don't think Baylor is that good. Now they are the second best defensive team in the Big 12. They have that going for them. They're a lot different than most of the teams in the Big 12 in that they want to be physical, um, they want to win with defense, and they want to win with the running game. This is not the old Baylor where they threw the ball all over the all, all over the ball yard. They have adapted and, and become more. Uh, of the kind of team that Matt Rule wants, and that's why some NFL teams like Matt Rule. But Oklahoma is far more talented. I think they're more athletic. So this one's going to come down to can Baylor's physicality rule the day? Um, I don't think so. I think Oklahoma's going to win. But the, you know, the, the, the Baylor-TCU game, if you, you watch the whole – I watch a lot of it too. That was one of the most boring regulation games. Yep. Of, of the last month. It was horrible football. And then all of a sudden, in overtime, it became super exciting because of some big plays on both sides of the ball. But I, I think Oklahoma has way too much firepower for Baylor. I get the fact that Baylor plays good D. Oklahoma's defense is sort of reverting to form also. But I still think Oklahoma wins. Mm-hmm. Mike Huguenin right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Uh, Mike, appreciate your time and uh, look forward to catching up again here soon. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mike. He's the best. It's Mike Eugenin right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.